0: This is In the Absence of Sports, a podcast that talks to coaches, players, broadcasters, and other team personnel affected by the coronavirus pandemic across the sporting world. Here's your host, Jeremy Otto. Welcome everyone to another episode of In the Absence of Sports. I'm your host, Jeremy Otto. So glad that you came back with us here today, either on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, While you're there, hit the pause button. Hit the subscribe button right now if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or follow us on SoundCloud as well. You can certainly like this track on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter. We're looking for our 100th follower. If you're that lucky person, you will get a shout-out. On our next episode, we are just three away from 100. You can follow us at Absence of Sports. Again, that's at Absence of Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at JeremyOttoPXP for play-by-play. Again, that's at J-E-R-E-M-Y-O-T-T-O-P-X-P. Like us on Facebook by searching In the Absence of Sports as well. Well, if you missed last episode, we had a long NBA discussion. It was Travis Demers, the fine radio play-by-play man of the Portland Trailblazers. We also caught up with my broadcast partner, At the University of Detroit, Mercy on the men's basketball television side, Earl Curiton, the former NBA champion. A lot of interesting takes and a lot of interesting topics brought up by those two guys. So go back and listen to that one. One of the more interesting questions, I guess, for us broadcasters, well, are NBA broadcasters going to have to wear masks of some sort when play resumes? Here's what Travis Demers had to say. I've I've thought about. That.
1: I don't I don't know.
0: Um, <laughs> how will it sound? Because I mean, as, as a broadcaster, you understand just how important you know just the the sound of everything is, right? So, you know, we we have a microphone that has a little you know windscreen on the headset mic, but how will it sound? Will it sound muffled if there's a mask over your face? I don't know. It's just yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. It's it's partially a joke, but at the same time. Is it going to be necessary? Is it going to be required? Because some places are requiring that anybody who's out has a mask on. Some cities are doing that. So how how will that happen? Boy, would that be challenging. I was <laughs> driving in the car with my fiancé the other day, and you know we were like, is there any way I can do this? Your voice is muffled right now as it is. It would have to be some kind of shield, I think, for it to work. So that, uh, that'll be something I'm intrigued to see if I have to deal with when I go back to calling some games. But uh, I guess it'll depend on how the world has evolved to things and where we are with uh, this virus by then as well. Want to transition now to our guest, here today. His name is Dai Dai Otaka. I actually called his games back in high school when we were both at the University of Detroit Jesuit High School and Academy was playing shortstop at that time. He just uh, finished up his career as a Yale University Bulldog with everything being canceled in the NCAA. But he has been granted another year like every other spring athlete in the NCAA and the NAI. So he's looking to graduate transfer now. He's in the portal, and we are happy to have him on here today. He also serves as kind of a infield guru, that term coming from Jimmy Mancuso, his former uh, high school baseball coach at UD. Now he's an assistant over at Lawrence Tech University in Southfield, Michigan. Here, but uh, Dida, great to have you on here today. How are you?
1: Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It's
0: great to talk to you again. It's you know you, you kind of reminisce on you know around this time you're gearing up for the MHSAA playoffs and you know we we start to you know get towards the conclusion of the high school season. What fun times there were. There were certainly some good games um, you know back in high school, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of it reminds me of freshman year, uh when you you know, you were the voice of the Cubs. Uh, you know, your class in twenty thirteen was absolutely amazing. We made a pretty good run and yeah, a lot of good memories from, from the Cubs
0: days. I don't know if you remember this, but my dad asked you to sign a baseball. That thing is still sitting on their T V.
1: <laughs> oh my god I don't know if it's worth anything. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on here today. There's, you know, a couple things that I want to hit on with you. Um, You know, first off, congratulations on on the finishing of your undergrad degree. How does that feel in terms of finishing finals? And, you know, at a very study-intensive place like Yale, of course.
1: Yeah, it's it's surreal. I mean, definitely, uh, I never thought I was going to be able to go somewhere like that um, starting high school, but, you know, stars aligned and a lot of, you know, got in touch with a lot of good people at the right time, and I um, was fortunate enough to to go to a place like Yale. But it, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to it. But those four years flew even faster than than high school. And now that it's over, it's like holy crap. <laughs> we gotta <laughs> moving on. So yeah, it's it's been it's been amazing though. I wouldn't. And change it for the world
0: you know the Ivy League is an interesting experience because you're obviously playing ball at a high level um, you know in the division one but you're also you know hitting the books hard too. just what's it like as an Ivy League athlete for people that don't know
1: yeah I mean it's it's definitely interesting I've been fortunate enough to um, talk to a bunch of uh, kids at non Ivy League schools over summer Bowl and stuff like that and it's definitely a completely different experience there's no uh, there's no you know, set number of hours we need to study in the library. It's more of like, uh, you guys need to get out of the library and start practicing <laughs> type of deal sometimes. Um, yeah, it's definitely very intensive in terms of the hours that you put in um, academically. And there's a lot of, you know, essay writing and test taking on buses and at hotels and stuff like that. But like anything else, it's, it comes down to time management and what you value. And I think uh, the place at Ivy League institutions A lot of people and a lot of students are, um, you know, put a lot of worth into their education. Uh, and, And so it's about finding that balance. And I think a lot of us are able to find that balance after, you know, halfway through freshman year or whatnot and bringing out the time management skills that are necessary to continue that education and thrive both athletically and academically.
0: Yeah, what kind of a swing of emotions was it when you realized probably that the NCAA baseball season was canceling, and at that time you probably didn't know that you were getting the extra year of eligibility. So were you dealing with, hey, my college career could be over, and then bam, you know, it's like, yeah, NCAA says we're getting another year. Yeah, that
1: was that was a whole roller coaster of emotions. So what's cool about our situation, I guess, is that you know we we, we had heard talks that the NESCAC, um conference uh, had. You know, canceled their season and obviously Ivy League is similar to Nescaq in that it's a highly academic um, conference and they were they want to be ahead of the game so you know we kind of had some intuition about that our our season might be canceled but the cool thing was that when they did cancel our season we were able to play one more game uh, down in Jacksonville and it was kind of like a uh, senior day Hmm. of sorts Um, and at that time you know it's It was still pretty fresh. I still hadn't grasped the fact that our season was canceled, that, you know, my last game, the Zeo Bulldog was was happening, and I was kind of just trying to live in the moment. Um, And it really didn't hit me that I had played my last game until probably a few weeks after, to be completely honest. And there were still rumors about, you know, the the grads and everyone else getting the year back, and we were kind of just – in then, on the fence about trying to see what happens. And then when they did grant us that extra year, it was a lot of relief, I'd say, um, and a lot of excitement to know that, you know, my last game wasn't, um, you know, a couple of games into 2020.
0: What was that game like? Because obviously you knew at that point you weren't playing for anything, quote-unquote, and, you know, there's no postseason at that point, no Ivy League tournament but but still is it different than maybe a regular you know a, say you, you know you're knocked out and it's this last game I don't know I'm, I'm just trying to think about how that might be different you know what I mean
1: yeah for sure I think um for us as a as a whole team honestly it was more about um continuing that culture of brotherhood that we've you know taken so long to to build up over this the past you know few months of being together in the weight room and in practices and kind of just going out there, having fun and leaving it all out there. Um, You know, it wasn't just the seniors at their last game this season. It was, you know, the freshmen that just came in. It was the sophomores, the juniors that put in all their work to, you know, maybe have a breakout season. And um, it's a very difficult time for everybody. And we were playing Jacksonville at the time, they didn't, their season hadn't been canceled yet. So um, it was a little bit different for them. And you can kind of just tell that the energy and the, I guess the zest for, um, you know, just playing all out the game was a little bit different uh, for our, for our squad. Um, but, you know, I think, I think we all left it out there and we had a lot of fun playing it. And there was a lot of tears involved at the end of the game for sure, because, you know, we kind of knew that this is the last time we we're going to see each other too. So, I mean, it's, it's it was an insane, insane day. Lots Lots of emotions for sure.
0: Talking here with Daiday Otaka, former Yale infielder who's since entered the transfer portal as he looks to complete his graduate degree in another institution. What's it been like for you in, in terms of being recruited right now? Yeah,
1: I mean it's it's a very interesting um, time, I think. There's so many people in the transfer portal. Um, both, you know, seniors that just graduated, um, every you know, junior college, um, Community college kid trying to go to Division one schools, um, and I think on on both ends, both the, the players end and the the team slash coaches ends, it's very hard to decipher what is going to happen, especially with the major league draft being uh, cut down to five rounds. It makes it very difficult for um, the coaching staff to get a grasp of you know how many guys are coming back, who's what freshmen are coming in, um, and it just expands the roster size to such an extent that. Uh, I think the biggest thing is finding uh, the right fit for you to so that you can play. You know, I think a lot of um, players, you know, both high schoolers and even college players, trying to um, transfer, trying to find a place where, uh, you know, it's a big name school and could have a lot of fun. And obviously, it depends on what you're looking for, but you know, if you're trying to play, I think you got to find that right fit instead of, um, you know, going somewhere with 40 to 50 players, which it's very possible with the amount of players transferring and um, the cutdown of the draft. So it's been very interesting times, and it brings me back to the high school recruiting days of sending a bunch of emails and uh, you know making video collages and
0: stuff like that. Position-wise, what baseball player is having the most issue right now, staying in shape and, and trying to stay in baseball shape, you think? Is it a pitcher?
1: I'm not sure. I think... If you really want to stay in shape, any position is going to be able to stay in shape. Um, obviously, there's limitations of going outside, but walking and running is still fair game. I think a lot of people have um, access to nets or, you know, a wall of some sort. So you can get creative. I've seen I've seen a lot of things on Twitter of, you know, guys creating their own plyo ball pile walls to throw uh, weighted balls into whether they're a pitcher, a hitter, or whatnot. Um, You can do a lot of, you know, as a catcher, you can do a lot of drills with just one other person or even a wall. Infielders can do the same. Um, I mean, outfielders might be a little bit difficult, but, you know, as long as you stay in shape, I think, you know, there's really not too many limitations of what you can do as long as you get creative and you have that drive to keep working.
0: Talking to with Dai Diotanka, former Yale infielder, now on the transfer portal, looking to go somewhere else as a graduate transfer. You can follow him on Twitter, Dai underscore squared. That's D-A-I underscore squared. you become a, a kind of infield guru on Twitter. How did that happen? I, I looked the other day, and you have 7,000 followers. I was like, this, this is not the Dai Dai I knew in high school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... I wouldn't really call myself the guru. I'm just very interested in the, the the aspect of infield play, and I'm looking at the intricacies and trying to break down the the intricacies into a little bit simpler, uh, easy to digest information. Um, and kind of just put my name out there and put some information out there. Um, you know, I kind of started with my former uh, associate head coach at Yale, Tucker Frawley. He's also very well known in the the baseball Twitter sphere, but um, you know, his his Twitter infield chatter boasts about you know, 23,000 followers or something like that posting games you'll play, and he was like, uh, my sophomore year, I think, he was like, you know, you should, if you want to get into coaching um, after you're done playing, you should get your name out there, start putting out your own thoughts, and, you know, see what kind of reception you get, and honestly, that's been the best, you know, advice I've gotten, and, you know, I started off with, you know, just nearly 800 followers, and now I'm so 7,000, and, it's it's been an amazing experience not simply just putting my um information out there but just getting to meet the people and getting to know and build relationships with people of all um all backgrounds you know players coaches um both in the college high school and, and pro realms and just building those connections is honestly the most important part i think about what what's happened so far through uh through this media, so it's it's been an amazing experience, honestly.
0: What's the biggest intangible for an infielder? Is it the hands? Intangible. Mm, I think there's a lot of instincts that go into it. Actually,
1: um, a lot of instincts of where you think the ball might be hit. A lot of instincts of you know um, whether the runner might run. Stuff like that that dictates positioning before the pitch is even thrown. Um, dictates your prep step. So when You know, the ball's being hit. You want to be in the air so that your first step can be quick and towards the uh, direction of the ball. And sometimes, depending on the pitch, depending on the batter's swing, depending on the location of the pitch, you might be jumping instead of straight up. You might be jumping to the right or to the left or in or something to that effect to give you kind of a a running start, I guess, a jumping start. Um, And those come with instincts, baseball IQ, that You get over playing a bunch of games and um, watching the game, and I think that's a big intangible um, that you just can't really get through, you know, weightlifting or anything like that.
0: Anybody you model yourself out or you look and see, you know, kind of compare yourself to, I'm doing this right or wrong in the major leagues right now?
1: You know, so freshman year I was a shortstop. um, Sophomore to this year I moved over to second base, Um, and I really like Colton Wong. I think there's a lot of resemblance in terms of height and um, even ethnicity as well (laughs) Um, and similarities there. Uh, But I I love his fielding. He's really smooth. Uh, He catches everything. He's very quick. just a very versatile player. And, you know, I think for me, just finding that um, similarity and trying to mold my, my infield around those types of players has been amazing. But I think, you know, a lot of names come out and a lot of the research I've done on infield play has been, you know, those big names like Javier Baez, Nolan Arenado, Matt Chapman, Francisco Lindor, and all those guys. i trying to find the little things that make them great because all of them have different, you know, um, skill sets and different ways that they attack certain uh, ground balls uh, depending on what they're best at. And just trying to look at that and trying to mold myself to my own player and my own self I think has been uh, the best thing that's become of all the research that I've done
0: what's been the reaction uh, among maybe some of your teammates and other people you know around college baseball and you know we talk about MLB trimming from 40 to five rounds that's drastic I mean that that's limiting maybe guys who who want to move on or would have been discovered this year they may never have a chance right
1: it's very difficult for for players to grasp that, um, you know, considering that teams, I mean, players that would have been draft, drafted from sixth round and up don't have that opportunity. And even though there are free agent signings afterwards, it's not the same money. And I mean, it's it's very drastic. I'm not, I'm definitely as a player, you know, wanting to to play Pro Bowl after I'm done playing college ball. Um, definitely sucks, but. You know, what, what can you really do? You just got to go out and um, see what you can do and kind of play your best and have fun. Um, but again, it, it changes up a lot of the recruiting aspect and the, the sizes of rosters in college baseball and how, honestly, I think it's going to change up a lot of the recruiting aspect of where kids end up going um, when rosters do become bigger inevitably. I think a lot of high schoolers are going to end up going more towards the junior college route um, to kind of develop to see if they do have a chance. It would be interesting to see if the major leagues continues to only do five rounds and make it a lot shorter, considering that a lot of their late round picks are high schoolers um, who don't even sign. I think their thought process is that making it shorter and um, kind of marketing that more will be beneficial. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, Dinah, we thank you so much for taking some time. Have you gotten your final grades yet, or is that in a couple of weeks, maybe?
1: <laughs> no, yeah. So the final grades have been out. I mean, Yale has become pass fail, so <laughs> that's been a, a little bit easier on my end in terms of um, finishing up schoolwork. But yeah, so um, all done with school, and uh, commencement's coming up this weekend online. Good so stuff. That'll be that'll be fun to to watch with the family and an experience even though it's a little bit different experience and they're trying to get all the students back on campus at a later date but yeah i'm I'm excited and it's it's a surreal experience graduating from from such a school
0: yeah well congrats on that uh certainly best of luck to whether wherever you end up whether you know that that's a college at some point next year and then anything after that as well and uh we look forward to catching up as, as time goes on here thanks
1: jeremy thanks for having me um you know it's been following you since you graduated. You've you've made tremendous strides as well, and it's been it's been awesome watching um, how much impact you've had in uh, the broadcasting realm. And I'm excited for your future as well.
0: I appreciate the uh, the kind words, and it was always fun to, to broadcast those games with you and Jimmy Mancuso and all those guys. You <laughs> know, putting those fun teams together. We had some good ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've had, we had some amazing amazing teams and great experiences.
0: Well, that's Daidai Otaka, former Yale infielder who's currently entered into the transfer portal. Well, that just about wraps up another episode of In the Absence of Sports here today. We want to remind you to follow us on Twitter. Again, there's a shout-out at stake for our 100th follower, so be that person right now. Go to Twitter and search at Absence of Sports. Again, that's at Absence of sports, you can like us on Facebook. In the absence of sports, as well, we want you to rate us on Apple Podcast. If you're on SoundCloud, you can follow us there, and uh, shoot us a message anywhere to maybe send us a guest suggestion, something you want to hear out of the podcast, something you want us to discuss. We love to hear from you. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to In the Absence of Sports. Interact with the show and Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Otto PXP. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-O-T-T-O-P-X-P. See you again soon for another episode of In the Absence of Sports.